Good morning to you all. Greet you in the name of Jesus. I always find just a certain sense of awe of of the privilege and the challenge that is uh, before us to share the Word of God. Um, not only in the sharing, in some ways I think that's the easy part, but the, uh, the, the part of discerning the heart of God and, and what he wants to share and to um, be the carrier of that, I find a challenge. So I encourage you to pray for your, your preachers, your, uh, those that come, that God would uh, be able to speak to them clearly. Last week I found myself riding in my old stomping grounds and uh, we had some time to kill, which is very unusual. And um, so we just sort of rode around and uh, drove back and, and uh, took another look at the house that we had built years ago and, and um, reminisced and pondered some of the good times and some of the bad times. And, remembered some of our own mistakes and, and uh, perhaps some mistakes of others. And, uh, of course, it uh, also brings to mind some of the difficulties that life brings apart from people. Just the fact that life hands you a certain deck of cards, as it, as it were, and, um, and that's what you have to play with. And... Um, Not all of them feel like winning moves. And, uh, you know, when we, uh, when we are young, especially, we have lots of dreams. We, we dream of, of how it's going to be. And, and uh, you know, we, we're very positive and... and, and um, There's another word I'm grabbing for, and it's not here, but it's okay. And, uh, you know, we just believe this is the way things will work, and, and uh, we're excited about life and, and all that. And, but sometimes life becomes difficult in some way, and we find many of our dreams and our visions getting squashed and, and uh, mutilated and Sometimes they die altogether. <clears throat> you know, as can happen in youth, our relationship can go bad in, in, in the home or in the church or with someone else. Or there could be an accident that claims a life or a limb. These same things can happen later on in life. And in addition, you know, you can have a fire and everything that you worked for in life went up in smoke. Or you can have children that grow up and make bad decisions. As we approach old age, we have loss of ability that, that sets in and things that you used to be able to do, you either can't do or, or you're you're stuck to doing about four hours of it and then you're done for the day. Or maybe you can't do it at all. 
Sometimes it comes to the place of having to leave the old home place, maybe moving to the children's community. You're leaving friends and, and old faces and comfortable things behind. Or our friends pass away and things are not the way they used to be. <clears throat> In those times, whatever the situation is, we're forced to make decisions that we never plan to make. Sometimes we're devastated. We feel lost, extremely lost, and we hardly know where to turn. And I pondered, what is the, the purpose of all of this? Is this come with, is this a, is there a purpose to this? Or is this just the way life happens and you just have to deal with it? <clears throat> this morning I would like to speak on the subject of when life becomes difficult. And I know that we all have different situations. We come from different backgrounds. Many of you come from different backgrounds and, and, um, you never know who you're going to preach to on a morning like this. You don't know if you're going to preach to a whole group of people from here or there or somewhere else. Um, you don't know what God has in mind, and, and um, I certainly didn't when I began this sermon, and I, I still don't. Only God knows. But, um, you know, Paul had to deal with this in his life and in his ministry. And um, he had a name for it. He called it his thorn in the flesh. And uh, I don't think that's the only thing uh, Paul was talking about. Or that's not the only part of Paul's life we're going to talk about is his thorn in the flesh. Um, there was other aspects that he dealt with as well that we'll want to look at. If you would, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I would just like to read um, this whole chapter, but if you are like me, when you read these first six or eight verses, they, especially the first six verses maybe, you can wonder what in the world is Paul talking about. He seems to be talking this way and then that way and the other way again, and you wonder, okay, is he talking about himself or is he not talking about himself? You know, is, is, he, is, he, uh, is he boasting, is he not boasting? And, and you wonder, okay, what is, what is Paul really saying? And, and um, I'm not coming here today to clear up all of those confusions because I, I, I admit that I, I remain somewhat confused about what all Paul is driving at. But there was just one little observation I'd like to make before we start reading, um, or maybe two. And, and that is, I believe we can be pretty sure that Paul is talking about himself in relationship to the vision here. He says uh, in verse 7 especially, he says, Lest I should be exalted above the measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. And so and he's looking, when he's talking about these, these revelations, I, I think we can be pretty certain that Paul is talking about himself. The other thing is, he, this is, this is not just a chapter by itself. It's really in the middle of a chapter where Paul is discussing his, um, his qualifications as, as an apostle and, um, and how 
you know, they aren't getting it. And, and he's saying, really, I shouldn't have to be proving this to you. Uh, my life has already proved it. Um, and, and he's talking in chapter 11 about, uh, about all of the um, difficulties he's gone through. Um, and so in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, you know, it really doesn't make any sense for me to, to brag about it. And yet, on down a little bit, he, he says, well, if I'm going to brag about it, I'm going to brag about the things that, that I, about my trouble. And so, you know, you, you sort of wonder, okay, which is, which is he doing? And in some ways, I think Paul is maybe talking somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Um, I'm not quite sure. But I, there are some, I, I'm not here to, like I said, I'm not going to, to try to solve all of the, the questions I have about this, but there are some things that I think we can learn from this passage about life becoming difficult that I think can be a, a help to you and to me. Chapter 12, verse 1, it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knows, such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities." For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seems, seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above the measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure." For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most that gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. I am become a fool in glorying. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. Now there's one place I really think he's talking tongue in cheek because if you notice the next verse, it says, Behold, the third time I'm ready to come to you and I will not be burdensome to you. Now notice he just said that um, forgive me this wrong. But here he says, I'm going to come again and I'm not going to be burdensome this time either. So... <laughs> uh, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. But be it so, 
I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Again, think ye that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults, and lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. I'm not sure what all you get from this passage, but, but I'd like you to notice that that God sent Paul a vision. God had called Paul to go out and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And, and for whatever reason, God decided that Paul needed to have a personal revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the way I take it, at least. Um, if, if you go to, um, go to 1 Corinthians 8... He's talking about how all the other apostles and, and different groups of people saw the Lord Jesus. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, And last of all, as to a child untimely born, he appeared to me also. And, and I suspect that's the same time he's talking about in this, in this passage. And, and how that God showed him a vision of, of Christ. And who knows, I don't know what else he saw visions of, but something something tremendous, something that was, was just out of this world, something that um, he said was not lawful for man to utter. He didn't, know, he didn't know whether he was in his body or whether he was out of his body when he saw it, but, but, but it was something great, something spectacular. And so it seems like God said, you know what, for Paul to really be effective in reaching the world for me, I need to, I need to get, let him get in on this. I want him to see it personally. I want to give him this great vision. But you see, there's a problem. Sometimes there's a problem when God gives us big stuff. And that is it's the problem of pride. And God knew about that. Paul recognized it, verse 8, verse 7, he says, Lest I should be exalted above the measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. You know, Paul himself was tempted to brag. He says, For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. So Paul, Paul recognized his own, his own natural inclination to, to brag about it. And um, but you know God knew the temptation 
And so God says, you know what, I've given Paul this, this wonderful vision. It's something he needed to do what I want him to do. But Paul's a man. Paul struggles. And so therefore, I'm going to give him a thorn. I'm going to give him a difficulty that he can't shake. Something to, to keep him down to size. Something so he doesn't get lifted up in pride. Now, if you, um, if you notice, now, now God, I said God gave it. No, that's not what it said. It says it was a messenger of Satan, but God allowed it. God allowed Paul to have this messenger of Satan. Now, I would like you to notice some of the other things that Paul has. And if you go to verse 10, he says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Now, I want to think about these different things that Paul had to deal with. Weaknesses, when you just don't got what it takes. Reproaches, and the word there, I think, it was the, the meaning of it is injury, loss of function, sickness or disease. Necessities. And, and I just take it as something where you don't have enough to go around. You know, maybe there's a, you don't have enough to pay the, the electric bill or the, or the house payment. Or, um, you know, you just don't know where it's going to come from. Persecutions, being mistreated, wrongly accused, misrepresented, distresses or anguish, calamity, or emotional trauma. Those are the kind of things Paul faced. And, um, you know, God had a plan for Paul's life. God allowed these things into Paul's life for a reason. And, you know, in our lives, God has a plan for our lives as well. And, so, and God wants you to be effective in your calling, whatever that calling is. And he knows your limits. He knows that, that the natural inclination of every, anyone and everyone, all of us, to pride. And so God allows difficulties in our lives so that so we will not lose our usefulness. So he can bring us to increased usefulness. And so, so God allows not only the vision, as it were, he allows the difficulties. And sometimes these things strip away all that we are or all that we were. And we, we look back and we mourn the loss, the loss of, the, of, of what we were or the loss of the vision, what we hope to become or what we hope to do. In fact, it may have been a good thing that was stripped away. Perhaps like Paul, Satan came and brought something. Perhaps Satan took it away. But God allowed it. God allowed it on purpose. So that he could make us into something else besides what we were. Something that he has a vision for us to become. Something to create. Something new. Perhaps God is using your loss to make you sensitive to others' losses. Perhaps God allowed you to be the black sheep so that you can love other black sheep or understand those 
that feel wrongly accused. Perhaps God sends you to a new community so that you can welcome others into your fellowship. Perhaps God strips away your understanding of scripture and church so that he can teach you what is true and right. Perhaps he allows you not to have enough so he can supply your needs in miraculous ways. Perhaps he strips you of all physical energy and power so that you will seek his spiritual power. And the list can go on and on. Each person God works with in a different way. Each person God has a different vision and plan for, for your life and for my life. And so God allows different challenges for you than he allows for me and for you. There's something that I think is significant about Paul. And that is that we see Paul embracing the change, embracing the challenge, embracing the, 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 the bad stuff in his life. Paul embraced it. He says, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. How many of you can say, yes, that's me? Can't do that yet. You know, I choose to do it in a daily, not a daily basis. Can I say an occasional basis? You know, where I say, yes, God, I'm going to choose to glory in my infirmity today. Is it something that comes natural for me? No, not at all. I don't like being limited. I don't like having to stop after six hours when I want to go seven, eight, or nine. It just isn't comfortable for me. It's not fun. But Paul said, I will glory in my infirmities. And why was that? I can't find it, but I can quote it. I think I can. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's why. Because the power of Christ can rest upon you when you, when you embrace your infirmities. How can he do that? Yes, verse 9. See, God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul came to God and said, God, won't you please take away this problem? Now we can, why do you think, we don't know for sure what Paul's problem is. Because if you knew Paul's problem was, was eyesight, you would think, well, my eyesight's good. I thank you, Lord, I have good eyesight. Now, God wants us to be able to identify with Paul's thorn in the flesh because God allows one in every one of our lives, I think, at times, sometimes a temporary, well, temporary, maybe sometimes long-term, well, that's what the, his thorn in the flesh was, wasn't it? It was a long-term. It didn't go away. And... and um, I think we, we 
probably all at some point in our life get this thorn that doesn't go away, something that doesn't leave. He realized that God's power only came in his own weakness. And you know, then he had another, another struggle, even though he demonstrated Christ's power to the people he was serving, yet they didn't accept it. They didn't, uh, they didn't value it for what it really was. And so another area of pain and, and suffering, probably one of these lists up here that we went through, could maybe call it persecution, where he was misrepresented. And yet we see Paul's, we see Paul's ministry how it was effective throughout the Gentile world. Uh, we see these maps of Paul's uh, missionary journeys, and yet we get just a little bit of, of, of information that tells us, you know, that doesn't represent the whole thing. He was a place that wasn't on that list, so where else did Paul go? How far did he go? How far did he travel? We don't know for sure. And when he went to those places and people came to Christ, then the gospel went out from there. You know, perhaps we're Christians today because of Paul's ministry. We don't know. Perhaps. We certainly, certainly the books that he wrote, 13 of them, if I have the number correct, um, are written about or by Paul. Um... Certainly they have affected our understanding of the gospel and how it works. And so in that way, his, his work, both in his, his ministry and his, in his writing, have affected all of us in very powerful ways. And not only us, but Christianity at large. And only eternity will reveal the importance of, of Paul's revelations and his visions that he received. You know, could Paul have written as effectively if he had not seen these visions of Christ? I doubt it. But to what extent, we don't know. But you see, Paul couldn't have those revelations if he didn't have his thorn. Because the two had to go together. You give Paul's revelation without his thorn, and he would have become a man of pride. God knew that. You give Paul his ministry without his revelation, and he wouldn't have been as effective. And so the thorn was a necessary evil to allow Paul to have the revelation. So Paul, Paul says, I will, I, I embrace this thorn, these troubles in my life, I embrace them because, because I want the power of God. I want the power of God on me. And so I accept this thorn, so that I can have the power of God. I think there was another reason 
that he accepted it. And I think we find it in verse 19. The last part says, We do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. You see, sometimes God allows things into our lives, not necessarily for our own benefit, but for the benefit of our brothers and sisters. Sometimes our thorn is their education, is their edifying, is their building up. As they see you and I accept the challenges that God puts on our lives, God uses our lives to speak to our brothers, to build them up, to make them strong for the, own, for the challenges that they face. Now, now, Paul spoke to this, this same concept uh, about his, the challenge that it, challenges that he was facing and how that it was actually being beneficial. And uh, in Philippians 1 verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brethren, the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so his bonds provided an opportunity for him to spread the gospel throughout the whole, throughout the whole palace. A place where he would have not gotten the permission to go had he been normal. And wonder where it went after that. And so he had a guard that guarded him. Wonder where the guard went where he, when he left that. You think his guard came to the Lord? We don't know how that would have worked. We don't know. History doesn't tell us that. But not just that. His, his distress caused the other brothers to be more bold. You would think it would work the other way, wouldn't you? But they saw in, in Paul the, the, the willingness to suffer. They realized that suffering didn't kill him. He's still, he's still there. He's more effective than what he was. And they say, wow, if he can do it, I can too. So often... We are tempted to complain. I am tempted to complain. Like the Israelites in the desert. Maybe it's because we're a little spoiled and we think that life is supposed to always go right. I don't know. That's what we're taught here in America, that if we work hard, everything goes well and you'll get rich and everything will be sweet, right? And that's sort of what we're taught. Isn't always the way it works, is it? But you know, God called the, the complaining of the Israelites unbelief. And it cost them their opportunity to receive God's blessing because they complained and they complained. And it cost their children 40 years in the desert. Numbers 14.22 says, Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness... And they've put me to the test now these ten times that have not heeded my voice 
they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. They missed out on the glory of God that he had to bring to them. The promises, perhaps the vision, they missed it because they complained. You know, we also tend to blame. There are some situations in our lives that we can probably rightly say, you know what, if it hadn't have been for brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or the guy down the street or the neighbor or the, or the drunk guy that ran into, and you name it, there's somebody we can blame, isn't there? But did Paul blame anyone? No, we don't find him casting blame. He said, I, I am taking hold. I am, I am uh, embracing these problems that God is bringing into my life. Perhaps God has a great work for you or me. In fact, indeed, he does have a plan for each of us. He has something cut out for each of us to do. And perhaps he cannot give us the pleasure of serving him in that way unless he first gives us a difficulty and allows us to go through the fire. Because, you know, it's only in the fire that we are purified and prepared for the service that God has for us. And I challenge you and I challenge myself to embrace the difficulties that God brings into our lives. Because when we are weak, we are prepared for God to demonstrate his strength on our behalf and through our lives. When we are weak, we are strong. For Paul, he saw those great visions of God and God needed to send him a thorn to keep him humble. I wonder if for us, perhaps, it may be that it's the difficulties themselves that God uses to show us a vision of himself. Because it's often in those difficulties that we learn to know God. It's only it's often in those difficulties that we learn to know God. So my challenge to you and to me is to let's embrace the difficulties that God brings into our lives because you know we don't know God's plan so often we try to imagine what does God really want to do with my life what what does God want me to accomplish you know I'm I'm already so and so old and God I still don't get it I still you know God when will I grow up <laughs> do you ever feel that way God when will I grow up Did you read the story about the guy who designed the lithium battery? I saw a news article just recently. He developed a new lithium battery that I, I can't remember if it holds twice as much or charges twice as fast or what exactly the deal is. This is a new breakthrough. This guy is how old? 
upper 80s, I believe. Is that right? You remember what his age was? Upper 80s. You're not supposed to do anything big when you're in your upper 80s. Did you know that? God didn't know that, did he? You know, some of the greatest things that have happened in the history of man has been done when somebody was in their upper 80s. And I just want to challenge you. You're not too old to find the plan of God. You're not too old for God to use you. God still has purpose for your fire and for your trials at this, at this stage of your life. And I'm blessed by that. I still have a chance. And so do you. God bless you. Tell me a song.